Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulluk, Shulisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shulluk, Shulisten. Shulluk, Shulisten. Shulluk, Shulisten. Shulluk, Shulisten. Shulluk, Shulisten. Shulluk, Shulisten. Benjamin, thank you very much for that delightful introduction. We have a real, we've a, look, Ben, I forgot to say Sherlock. Sherlock, we've okay. a real mixed bag of stuff this week, Benjamin. We've got good news, we've got bad news. We've got Avatar 2 trailer, Ben, the trailer for the upcoming biggest movie of all time. Get out of here. Then we've got a small little tiny independent film starring Chris Pine and Harold Styles. Also, yes, Benjamin, on the sad news side of things, George Perez has passed away. Yes. Another loss of a comic book legend, two in two weeks. And you can decide for yourself if this is good news or bad news, but we've also seen Moon Knight episode six and therefore the whole series. And, and, yes. I, but not you, have seen Doctor Strange and we're going to have a little review of it, but without spoilers, even though, Ben, spoilers abound. Spoilers abound, Michael, they're everywhere. So listen, if that wasn't enough... Might be. It might be. <laughs> we're also going to be taking a look at Accents in Space. Accents uh, in Space. Lo- <laughs> we're going to be looking at the strange pop culture and, in general, film convention of using local Earth-based accents, for example, at the South of America. Yeah. Or Ireland, for example. As a strange kind of characterization shorthand for alien races or characters in general, we often use accents as a tool to convey something about the character, perhaps their attitude to life. Yes. Yee-haw, as they say, Ben. Yee-haw, as they say, Michael. And we use that shorthand even when the South doesn't exist, a la, uh, you know, a la bloody Firefly, Michael. And we're going to take a look at how we use it to inform characters and how sometimes it's probably a little bit dodgy and we shouldn't do it. Sometimes, Benjamin, but not always. Benjamin! Yeah? Speaking of things that are a little bit dodgy and we probably shouldn't do it, have you seen the trailer for Avatar 2? I haven't, Michael. I have zero interest in this relaunch. Benjamin, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I've seen it. It's played in front of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or Doctor Strange and, as you call it, Ben, Mom. 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 Uh, Benjamin. Yeah. It's called Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Or Very good. Avatar 2, guess who's directing this? It's James Cameron. Why? Because he's obsessed with water, Ben. Why, Michael? Um, I went to see the film with our good friend Jim, and he said, will the third one be Avatar 3, The Way of Fire? And I said to him, no, it won't. All of the rest of them will be water, because it's Jimmy C. Yes, he's going to have a big ship in one, and Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be a stowaway on the blue planet. Very good. Benjamin... It looks like there's something going on and humans and the Navi, they're, they're relating to each other and I don't know, there's baddies and there's, they're in spaceships and I'll tell you what though. Go on. 3D, 3D was good. Was, it, was the 3D good? 3D in the trailer was very good. Did you go see a 3D version of this film, Michael? Benjamin, I think that this film was in 3D specifically so that they could put the trailer of Avatar in front of it. You think that's the only reason, really? I think that is the only reason. Yeah. Because when was the last time we saw a Marvel film in 3D? Uh, I can't remember. I, I couldn't possibly tell you. I can't remember either, Ben. I think the last time we saw a Marvel film in 3D was when 3D was the big thing. It's largely an abandoned concept, though, though isn't I it? I wouldn't say necessarily abandoned, but it's certainly niche. Yeah, it's, it's very rarely done these days. You don't see a lot of 3D films these days. And My Good Lady Friend does not have any time for a 3D film. Who could blame her? Exactly, Ben. Well, I do, often and repeatedly. I say, I'm going to take you to this 3D film. And she says, no, you won't. You'll never get me in a 3D film. And then I say to her, well, all right then. Let's not air our dirty laundry on the podcast. Surprise, I told you we were going on a holiday. I've actually blindfolded and taken you to the Cineworld for a 3D screening. We're going on a blind date. And she says, oh, that sounds fun and exciting. And what I mean is you will be blind because you can't see properly with the 3D. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to Benjamin. see Inhumans Season 2 Inhumans Season 2, Benjamin, very good Benjamin Yes I couldn't tell you what happens in the trailer I saw it twice, but uh, it's just <laughs> It's gone in one eye and out the other, as they say That's largely how I feel about Avatar, the original film, Michael I remember yeah, I, 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 I know, I've set you up to do a little bit I, I know I've seen it But it has largely gone in one eye and out the other I don't As they say it's, we've talked about this before, Michael. It's made zero cultural footprint. 
outside of the fact that the cinema industry keeps going the sequel to the greatest film of all time of all to which time. everybody goes what was it was it i don't i don't i don't think so i don't Benjamin, think so it's going to do well for sure but surely there's no way it could replicate the success of the first one i mean it's a, it's a, it's a hack concept now isn't it it's it was when it came out ben yeah it was a bit it was dances with wolves with blue people michael and pocahontas with blue people Pocahontas with blue people, and they've removed the, the overt racism. Eh, uh, did they? Or have they? <laughs> yeah, they, some of those southern people in that film were pretty racist. They were pretty damn racist, that's true. Yep. Michelle Rodriguez not looking at you. I think she got better, though, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She turned out all right in the end. She's probably a blue person in this one. She, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Ben. It looks like everyone's blue people now. Everyone's blue people now. I tell you what, I have very little interest or excitement in this. I'm sure someone is, Ben, on the edge of their seat with excitement. Somewhere in the world, someone's excited about this, but not a, not me. Well, don't worry, darling, because we don't have to worry about it too much. We don't have to go see it if we don't want to. That was a silky smooth segue, Ben. One of your best. Benjamin, yes. this trailer popped up on YouTube the other day. I had heard nothing about it. And I'll tell you what, it's an upcoming film starring one Florence Pug. Yep. Pug. And uh, Harold Styles, Yes. And Christopher Pine. Yep. As well as Olivia Wilde, Ben, and also directed by Olivia Wilde. Yeah, it's her directorial debut. Is it her directorial debut? I thought she's always directing stuff. Oh, maybe she is. Hang on. Okay, no, don't, don't bother looking out. that up, Ben. I tell you what, though. Yes. It's the 50s. It's the 50s. Everyone's being good housewives and getting married to Chris's Pine and Styles. Yes, get get all the get all the stylish pines in. Yes, get all get them all in there. Get them all married up. Get them married to Gemma Chan, for example. And I'll tell you what, Ben, something's afoot though. Oh, Michael, it's no good in the town of wherever they are. <laughs> yeah, Pleasantville, let's say. It, it it so it's it's kind of Pleasantville meets the Stepford Wives a little bit from what I could gather from the tone. So it seems to be some kind of Bioshock new utopia gig mm. I tell you uh, what Ben yeah it's certainly one of those it's it's in the genre that we hear at the podcast uh, what's this called sure look you listen yes the podcast that takes a pop of culture it's one of the things that we really love Ben where it's an is it real type scenario well I mean this is the question Michael the, the big question I have is it actually set in the 50s it, it's probably not Ben it's probably set in the now but they've gone back to the 50s yeah, style yeah. like in the village it's a mind experiment Michael oh I think it might be a mind experiment Ben Yes, I'm experimenting on the mind. But I tell you what, though. Go on. Heck of a cast. Heck of a cast, Michael. I'm intrigued. I I would like to see it. Very much a cast in it, Ben. Yes, uh, Mr. Pine is is unhinged. I enjoy an unhinged Pine. Yeah, he's definitely playing Tom Cruise by the looks of things. I think he might just be playing Tom Cruise. This is perhaps something that's based on true events, which Tom Cruise did, will be the opening tagline to the Mm, film. mm, Yeah. Based on the true events which Tom Cruise did. Like, is that right? Is that good grammar? It doesn't it's matter. It's not catchy, but it works. It's, it's not catchy and it's not right, but it works. It'll get butts and seats. Exactly, Benjamin. <laughs> the, the sad thing is this might not get butts and seats. I don't think it will, Michael. Well, I mean, Pook has a lot of pull. Pook does have a lot of pull, Ben. She's a big star at the moment. And as is Harold Styles, don't forget. Harold Styles, him off the radio there. He's always doing a song about bullets or whatnot. He's doing a song about Bullets. What? Isn't he? Isn't that him? Isn't he the one who's going like, the bullet, the bullet. Is no, that I don't Stiles? think so, Michael. The, the current hit that Harold Styles has out is As It Was. As oh, it with was. Uh, with uh, We hear with it everywhere young. at the moment, Michael. Those yeah. two alone, Michael, will get the Gen Zers and the, the younger millennials in. Get them in. The, the people love Pug, people love Styles. So that's a good good bit of casting there, Benjamin. And then... Chris Pine and uh, Olivia Wilde, a bit more our generation. Or when, yes, and not. people will probably go see Olivia Wilde from our generation because people were mad into Olivia Wilde from our generation. I tell you what, they were mad into her, Ben, and she has that tenuous association with Ireland that we always get mixed up about what it is. She went to the Gaiety School of Acting. <laughs> yes, that's what it is, yeah. And changed her stage name to reflect Oscar Wilde. Yes, that's it. So she's kind of an honorary one of our gang. No, she's just an American who came over and went, oh, yeah, I love Ireland. I really connected to it. And that's why I changed my name to something Irish. Is her, is her name not Cockburn? I, I, don't, <laughs> I think it is. Well, I guess we know why she changed it. I um, think her real name's Olivia Cockburn. 
I'm, I cannot stand behind that. I don't know if this is a bit or not. No, it's not. That's definitely her real name. Her real, it's probably pronounced Coburn, but... She's had a very unusual uh, go of it lately. She's in the middle of a, a divorce from one Jason Sudeikis muggle. Yes, not a divorce. I don't think they were married. But uh, I no, it no is a divorce because she was served papers on stage, live on stage in the United States. Um, which is hilarious. One of those, one of those hilarious people that we see in American movies all the time, who pretend to be other people so they can get them to admit their names and then serve them. Incredible! Did Incredible. this to her on stage? Incredible bit of James Franco esque reality <laughs> blending. What the fuck? Absolutely insane. <laughs> those Hollywood people are mad, Ben. Ah, oh, they're mental. They're, They're always up to some mad bullshit, like living in a bloody fake town or whatever. But this looks interesting anyway, Michael. It's got that 50s aesthetic, so it'll pull people in even more. It's got Poog and Styles, stylish pugs yeah. in 50s garb. So that's going to get people in. That'll get them in. Everyone will be wanting to see this, Ben, including me. Benjamin. Yeah. It's not all good news, though. No, sadly not. Because after the tragic passing of Neil Adams, Ben, a legend of comic books a couple of weeks ago, another bloody great blow to the comic book industry, Ben. I think these are going to become more and more frequent over the next couple of years, unfortunately. Well, it's that, it's that time. It's the shedding. Yeah, exactly, Ben. George Perez, Ben, has passed away after a battle with terminal, I think, liver cancer or prostate cancer or something like that. Pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer. One of the inside bits. One of the and I'll tell you what, Ben. Bits. Who was George Perez when he was at home? Tell the listeners. They'll know him. George Perez, he, he passed away at 67, unfortunately, but George Perez is a man that you, whose art you have seen in any big superhero title of the last 30 years, nearly 40 years. Go on. Uh, he rose to prominence in the 1980s, Michael, uh, for two particular runs um, for Marvel. One was the Avengers. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Uh, three particular titles for DC and one particular title for Marvel. The one particular title for Marvel was The Avengers. So he did a big old run on The Avengers when they were branching out, cosmically speaking, Michael. Mm. And everyone and was he, in mad costumes. Yes, and he handled a lot of that because he was very good at a colourful costume, Michael. He's very good at a colourful costume and a busty lady. And a busty lady, Michael. Uh, mm. And then for uh, perhaps his larger contribution was uh, Teen Titans. He rebooted the Teen Titans for DC and is probably largely responsible for how people see them today. Which is probably why he had the little cameo in Teen Titans Go. Yes, he did have a little t- a cameo in Teen Titans Go, Michael. You're absolutely spot on. That now, I suppose, beloved cult cartoon, that Teen Titans cartoon, the original before Teen Titans Go... That was all Perez inspired. The mm. storylines, the car- costume designs, everything was George Perez inspired. He also did. He's done a few Crisis on Infinite Earths things. Oh, that- Benjamin! He did. Uh, he he was the artist. He, in my opinion, is the defining artist of the beginning of the modern period. Yes, I think that's probably he- true. Crisis on Infinite Earths, Ben. Infinity War. Yes, Infinite War. Infinite War, there's so many wars. How many wars? Un- literally uncountable, Ben. Infinite Wars. Yes. Um, incredible, like, incredible sequence of hits. Benjamin, what I, the way I can always recognise uh, a George Perez is because he'll pick one of your favourite female characters and then she'll inexplicably have a big mop of curly hair that she never had before. Yep, he loves a curly hair. <laughs> he loves a big mop of curly hair. When he was on Justice League, he took uh, Wonder Woman and gave her a big massive mop of curly hair and then did exactly the same with Scarlet Witch in Avengers and she got a big mop of curly ginger hair. And you can always tell a George Perez because one of the women has a big mop of curly hair. That usually goes down past her arse. It's huge. It's oh, like a mane. a huge mop of curly hair, Ben. It's like a mane. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's what I'll always remember George Perez for. And then as, I suppose one of the biggest that things is. that he ever did was he was the artist for the, the massive Marvel versus DC crossover event. Benjamin, is Thor going to be able to beat Superman? We'll have to ask George Perez. We'll have to ask George Perez. He only went and bloody drew the thing. And the answer was no. The answer He's was not, no. Definitively. Be beat him. Yeah. Definitively no. You don't beat Superman. Doesn't happen. But yeah, unfortunately, George Perez passed away after a, a battle. It's a long battle with pancreatic cancer, unfortunately. So that's another kind of big comic book artist gone another great of the industry Ben yeah another another industry great Michael Benjamin yeah apropos of nothing did George Perez have anything to do with Moon Knigget 
Uh, Moon Knigget. I'm not sure, Michael. Let me let me take a quick look there. I don't I don't know if he did, Benjamin, but he certainly would have been able to draw um, Leia's new superhero character. Oh. Every, everything about her said George Perez. Uh, yes, yeah, she was very George Perez. Uh, she was I, very George I Perez. had very strong Anthony Mackie vibes. Yeah, well, so did I, to be honest. But Anthony Mackie with a big mop of curly hair in a yeah. superhero suit. Benjamin. Yes. You and I, Go and on. hopefully most of the listeners, have seen episode six of Moon Knight, Marvel's Moon Knight. I and I'll tell you what, there was a big CGI battle at the end. Oh. And I'm getting the sensation from your grunting and groaning that you didn't love it. But I loved every second of it. And I'll fight you. I'll Moon Knight fight you if you disagree. I'll lep over this table, Ben, and give you a big flying kick in the head. Okay, it's, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Occasionally happens that one of us is wrong. And in this case, it happens to be you. But that's all right. That's oh, no, Benjamin, got... summarize it for us very quickly first. So it's, it's... Very quickly, though. It's all coming to a head. Egyptomania takes on a modern hue as Mark Spector and Stephen Grant reunite with their now nearly dead body and find a Khonshu to take on Amit, who's been brought back. Benjamin. Yeah. Full on brought back. Yeah. I have to say, I wasn't expecting Didn't expect a giant that at all. CGI crocodile lady. Didn't expect that. Having said that, we got a giant CGI hippo lady in the last episode, so I suppose it's not outside the bounds of possibility that there was going to be a big giant CGI crocodile lady. We we probably could have expected that, yes. Yeah, probably should have, Benjamin. My favourite th- thing about the scene where Amit was resurrected or released, Benjamin, I have to say, was the complete non-twist that Arthur Harrow was an absolute believer yeah, well, I mean, that was, yeah, he was just like, yeah, okay, if I gotta die, I gotta die. If I gotta die, I'm, and I have to say, I liked that. I liked the fact that he was a full believer in his mad cause. Uh, 1,000% committed, Michael. One Absolutely, Ben. And a lot of Marvel villains would wuss out and go, oh, let's just find someone else to sacrifice. But not good old Arthur Harrow. He was like, yeah, and you're going to need me to do a big CGI run down the pyramid in a few minutes. That was quite often the bit that's done in Marvel, isn't it? It's like, oh, that villain didn't have any gumption in the end. He was he always really a wet blanket. His... Exactly, Benjamin. Or is it? Uh... Or is it, Ben? Or is that just bad villain writing and we're blaming Marvel for it? I think early Marvel would have had that, Michael. I think early Marvel would have had a lot of bad villain writing. Like Loki instantly regrets his decision in Avengers. Yeah, and then they retcon it away with it was the influence of the Mind Stone or whatever. Yeah, which is a load of bollocks, because initially when we, we watched it, it was it was very bad. We also had it a little bit with the original Thor, whose plot I cannot for the life of me remember, Michael. Um, Thor lost his powers because he was being a dick. Ah, oh, right, that's fair enough, because he was a dick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's a few moments of that, you know, where the villain doesn't actually stand behind what they're doing. Uh, Justin Hammer... Yeah, but that's that is Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer's point <clears throat> is he's just a cowardly dick who's doing it for egomania reasons. Yeah, um, Frank Grillo, I guess in in the actor Captain America Frank too. Grillo. The actor Frank Grillo, no gumption, <laughs> no gumption, Mark. Ben Frank Grillo is like fifty five and ripped as fuck. If he ripped found out that you were saying, if he found out that you were saying he wasn't committed, he'd come and get you. I absolutely believe that. Oh, he'd do a good job too. He'd kick my ass. He'd absolutely come and get you. I'd like to sponsor Frank for Grillo versus Ben for the next episode. Oh, God, that's going to go horribly wrong. Ah, well. He seems good... nice enough, though, Ben. Very uh, intense man. He's very intense. He's got a touch of the uh, Tiamora Morrisons about him. He's, yeah, he's very intense, very sincere. He would have been a good Punisher. He would have been a great Punisher, I think. Uh, anyway, he's... Ben. That's yeah, go got on. nothing to do with Moon Knight. We should probably talk about Moon Knight. Anyway, this is the the final episode, the season finale and what it looks at is, I guess it tries to tie loose ends together, but also creates more scenes that weren't really earned. I, I don't know. Oh, go on. Go on. Uh, I think there are... I think we can break this series into two distinct parts. I'd say three. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, w- I would say episode one, five... One and f- oh, maybe it is three. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is three. So, one and five are the interesting mess with the genre moments. Okay. Uh, Two, three, and four are the filler, generic superhero crap moments. 
Okay. And then number six is just a Marvel movie in one Oh, it's insane. It's insane. I get where you're coming from, Benjamin. I, yeah. I, I broke it up a little bit differently in my head. I saw it as episode one and two were fun. Episode one and two were the fun mystery, what's going on with Stephen and Mark. And yeah. they were good fun and good crack. Three, four and... Yeah, three and four were, in my opinion, appalling. They were. They were absolutely dreadful. And all of the bits which felt rushed in this felt like they could have been done a little bit more justice if they've left out three and four or you know greatly shortened them especially three three was an absolute waste of time three was shockingly bad and the first half of four was pretty poor as well and then five and six were kind of it's a lot more Marvel than I thought it was going to be I Uh, they went full Marvel in six (laughs) There's people flying at supersonic speeds, Ben. There's giant monsters fighting on a pyramid. There's all sorts of lasers zooming around the place. There's new superheroes. There's people doing one of those kicks where you're flying and then you curl up into a ball and do a big kick. Conchu's a ninja. Conchu? No messing around with Conchu. He's just teleporting around the place, throwing darts at people. Yeah, not a bother to him. Oh, what a bollocks. Where was all that earlier? He was in the thing. He was in the... You don't need a feckin' avatar. You can do this yourself, you git. Well, Benjamin... I still, oh, the whole thing, I, I kind of like that it's still left a little bit on the line of how much of that happened? Yeah. Oh, what, how no, much hang of on. that oh, hang on actually now. Hang on, happened? Hang on, hang on. Yes. Talk me through that thought process. Well, it has a very sudden ending where it goes back to the mental hospital. Mm. And we don't see any cleanup after Mark and Lay. Layla mm-hmm. have dealt with the baddies and the big fight with Konshu and Amit at the pyramid did people see that was that on the news we don't it it to me it was yes. subtly played that whenever Mark had the upper hand Konshu had the upper hand whenever yes. Harrow had the upper hand Amit had the upper hand and that's why they need the avatars yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that for sure that was happening. But yeah. what I'm saying is, did that fight with the gods happen in the real world? I wouldn't be surprised if it's retconned that no, it didn't. Oh, it was an astral plane gig for them. Yeah, or, uh, you know, uh, whatever, the god, the plane, god's plane of existence gig. Now, they definitely affected the real world because they were knocking over cars and stuff. Yeah. But that could be then brushed off later as, oh, there was quite a storm yesterday, wasn't there? In Cairo. They tipped over a couple of cars and... You know, mm. how much of it actually happened? Well, we'll never know, Michael, because it might not get a season two. <laughs> Benjamin, I have no doubt in the world that this is getting a season two, even sh- if they just make it the Scarlet Scarab, which is a stupid name, by the way. All right, let's 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 jump into this and have a look at, at episode six in full, and then we'll we'll talk about it. That's a good breakdown of it. What's going on with Layla? She's a Scarlet Scarab, Ben. She's Egypt's first superhero. Is that a famous character, Michael? No, it's a new character that they've... In- well, the name exists, but it's a new character that they've invented for That's this That's crap. It's a cra- crap name for a character. Scarlet Scarab, especially yeah. when the Scarlet Witch is bandying about the same week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but it, it's... I I just thought it was a Sam Wilson knockoff. I I found it really strange. I was you like, don't like superheroes with wings, Ben. They've got no, but they've gotten this like wing effect down. And they just like just give her wing powers. Tarawet do, doesn't make any sense for Tarawet. It well, okay, hold on a second. First of all, I wasn't seeing Sam Wilson. I was seeing Wonder Woman. Well, very Wonder Woman. That's true. It's very Wonder Woman. Well, like we're only a couple of months away from Wonder Woman, her big giant golden chicken suit. Yeah, and. I would argue that this looked better than that. Yes, it did. If not a little bit more generic. No, it definitely looked better. But, Benjamin, it 100% doesn't make sense for Tarawat because it was supposed to be Isis. Ah! And Isis makes 100% sense. That, that does. Apparently, then, in post-production, they said it's a bit late in the game to be introducing a new god. Fair. So let's go back and do reshoots and just have it be Tarawat. But then, surely she should have been hippo-themed. Uh, how do you pull that off, though, on television to make it cool? <laughs> it would have been pretty cool. She was stomping around the place. Could Layla dragging- just on it. You could have made Layla a tank. There's a great inversion of standard superhero stuff. Just made her a big old, like, you know, super strong 
dead yeah, communicator. People. Give her a ghost army. Do something cool. Drag people into the river with big giant tusks. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah, I'd watch the that, fuck out of that. Flicking her ears around the place. But yeah, I, I thought it was cool. And Benjamin, there's yeah. a bit where that she saves that little girl and the little girl says, are you an Egyptian superhero but an Egyptian? And she says, yes, yes, I am. No bother. Aspirational. Yeah. Aspirational. That's me. Very I good. Uh, that was that was such a an end game throwback moment. I was like, oh boo. Very good. But very in good. fairness, very exciting. Not for us. Definitely for Egyptian people that don't see them represented on screen. Don't see themselves represented on screen much. You know, definitely not for me to enjoy that moment. I'm sure there are lots of people who enjoyed that moment. I quite enjoyed it, Ben. I want an Irish superhero for fuck's sake. We're never going to get one, Michael. There was a fella in this one, Donny Gall, Benjamin. He got killed. He got killed. No bother. Off screen. In <laughs> off fact. screen. Everyone's getting killed off screen in this. That was all. It was one of the worst things I've possibly seen. Not a single god could stand against Amit. Doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? Because <laughs> Arthur Harrow takes out the Enneat. Oh yeah, but they weren't. They weren't the gods, Ben. They were the avatars. Yeah, but why? Why is Arthur Harrow so much better than like six other avatars? Because she's a god of vengeance, and they were all gods of sitting around scratching themselves. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, he says that, in fact. He says, you're judges, not warriors. You're judges. Yeah, I suppose. See, it's funny. I think he's a warrior as a result of his time with Kanchu, because that's his whole speech in the previous episode. is like, it's your torment forged me. Mm. And but also, me- also, Amet is a is a vengeful, fighty god. Yeah, I suppose, because she tries to line herself up with Kanchu. It's like, we can do this together. Let's We're both do a big, gods sexy team up. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a whole thing. I would have been like, damn straight, sexy crocodile lady, let's do a big kick. Let's do a big kick. Kiai. Together. Benjamin. Yes. We finally saw, big spoilers here, big spoilers coming. Big old. We finally saw your favourite character, Jake Lockley. Yeah, Jake Lockley, apparently. Uh, Jake Lockley, yeah, we keep getting that wrong. Which we Um, keep getting wrong. And I tell you what, Benjamin, he's Hispanic. Yeah, didn't see that coming, Michael. So I was wrong in the previous episode there where I said we saw Jake Lockley for two and a half seconds. We We didn't. Uh, we, sometimes Mark <laughs> is from New York apparently sometimes but yeah Mark just changes his accent sometimes it, very inconsistent accent work from Oscar Isaac overall <laughs> very good though Benjamin yeah I tell you what Jake Lockley showing up in his big Mark New- Moon Spectre car and being a real son of a bitch loved it that was the best scene in the entire episode 6 for me go on I, I would have watched I would have watched an entire episode dedicated to us finding out that Jake Lockley has been doing this the whole fucking time. Um, I had a repitch for that as well. Go on. Mark Spector gets arrested and gets shown a bunch of footage of him doing horrific things to people. Yes. And then we actually get to fill in the blanks later on in that episode where we find out that Jake Lockley has been running around the whole fucking time. Benjamin, he was the avatar the whole time. He's the real avatar. Yeah. And Mark Spector's there going, oh, it's me, it's me. It's not at all. Maybe Mark Spector's not real. Maybe Jake Lockley is the real one. I mean, it's entirely possible. Imagine if he's Spanish. <laughs> they just erased yeah. the whole Jewish arc that people were up in arms about. And <laughs> Very good. Very interesting and excitement, Benjamin. I liked it. I thought it was great. I loved that we got to see Mr. Knight being a bit of a badass. Yeah, he finally kind of managed it. You know, I enjoyed the argument between Conchu. I like how devious Conchu is shown to truly be here, where Mark is, or yeah, Mark is like, you have to let us both go. And Conchu's like, all right, I'll let you both go. Because Conchu knows there's a third. He's like, "Uh, he says, I will very specifically let the two of you go. Yeah. And then I enjoy, I enjoy Arthur Harrow getting a little comeuppance. I liked him running down the side of the of the pyramid. That, that was, was enjoyable. It was a bit of crack, wasn't it? I actually hated that part, Michael. I don't know yeah, why I, know. I agreed with you there. No, no, you um, I thought it was absolutely <laughs> rubbish. I did not looking. like the last big laser scene. They literally cannot avoid. They just love it. I, I think Kevin Feige gets a hard on for laser shows. I don't know what Everybody it is. Everybody loves lasers coming out of things. And he's just like, Get, make, make lasers. And they're like, well, we haven't really had any lasers, actually. It's been quite subtle. And it's like, no, 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 I want lasers. More lasers, please. Do you know what we never got to see either? Lasers. No more demon dogs. Oh, yeah. Why didn't Arthur Harrow let out a a, a fucking horde of vengeful demon dogs to bloody, you know, judge people? Like, do that. Do do That's more expensive than thugs, Ben. Is it? Yes. No, in CGI terms. Do anything that wasn't lasers. (laughs) Benjamin, I loved when he was flying. 
I, I thought that was rubbish. That. I was like, I you've made him Superman. What are you doing? <laughs> He's doing some supersonic flying, Ben. He was actually made the sound of a supersonic jet. It was incredible. But like, I just, I could not understand this, Michael. This entire series has been so tonally and thematically all over the place. I can't keep going. Very much like Moon Knight, Benjamin. Luckily, you don't have to because it's over. It's over now, Michael. It's done. So, I, I'm, I, I will lead, Michael, because you're, you're, you're the positive spin artist here. So, I will lead with my ultra negative review. All right. And you, can... I don't think I'm the positive spin artist, Ben, so much as I just actually enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, screw your genuine enjoyment of things. How dare you? <laughs> but for me, Michael, this show. Episode one had me hook, line, and sinker. Go on. I was there. I was into it. Episode two, same vibe. I enjoyed a little bit of expansion on the theme. I enjoyed learning a little bit more. Those two episodes, Michael, if it had stayed that way, ah, ah, Michael, what a show that would have been. Mm. That would have been class. This weird mystery show where we can't trust the narrator on either side and we're slowly unraveling a low-key, down-to-earth superhero who's doing kind of a background thing. I I would have watched that. And then episode three just sucked me in the jaw, Michael. And said, here, have some boring shit. I was speared by an Egyptian horseman and I went, oh, this is awful. <laughs> it was generic choreography, weird superhero costume. Like I, It felt like Power Rangers to me. Go on. It was bizarre. Episode four, very similar. Did I care? Absolutely not. No, too much Layla in episode four too. T- tomb, that, that tomb sequence, the entire tomb sequence before the hospital. So dull. Very boring. And then episode five kind of got me back in. I was like, if you had taken this idea in episode three to throw the viewer off again, if you had kind of curveballed it again and been like, oh, Mental Asylum, episode three, midway point, great. Episode four was the midway point. Yes, I know, but it's only six episodes, you see, Michael, so we probably shouldn't have done that. And you could have skipped the awful filler episode that was episode three. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And you could have moved that sequence up a little bit, spent more time on the mental plane, you know, the mental asylum plane. Follow the comic book, which is clearly the inspiration for this. Mm. What, What a great idea. But they didn't do that, Michael. And we got filler, and then we got more filler until we got to the mental episode thing. Uh, And then we got episode five and six. Episode five is bizarre. It gives us a lot of backstory. We could have kept that, Michael. It's not a bad, tragic backstory. I'll forgive the brother fridging, drowning your brother. That's fine. Everyone's doing it constantly these days. Everyone's everyone's drowning their brothers. It's not great. Um, It's not great. But... Like, I didn't, I just felt that it really started strong and finished like a damp squib, Michael. I feel like they I threw it, it away. I thought it started strong, Ben, got very, very weak in the middle and it ended very well, in fact. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I could agree, Michael. Arthur Harrow's gone now. Um, that's the end of him. That's he can the end come of him. back, Ben. Anyone can come back. Anyone can come back. I enjoyed, one of my one of my favourite moments in episode six was the the mental asylum sequence where they're both mental. Yes, because Arthur Harrow goes. Why am I bleeding? What's what, what's going on? It's because he puts glass in his shoes. Arthur, remember that felt like that scene should have happened a lot sooner in the episode. Yes, that almost felt like that scene was in the wrong place. Benjamin, yeah, we could talk about Moon Knight till the cows literally come home. But I tell you what, since Moon Knight has just ended, it had to make way for the next big thing in Marvel. Ben, it's a big week to be a Marvel fan. Oh God, what's the next big thing in Marvel? Benjamin, it was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, no. But Benjamin, you haven't bloody seen it. I haven't. So I'm going to try my very best to give a spoiler-free review. Now, but Michael, I'll tell you what. Go on. If you want to give spoilers, you can. Well, I'm going to try not to, but I'll tell you one thing, Ben, and I'll tell you one thing for nothing. The spoilers are out there. Yeah. And if you have as much as watched a trailer of Doctor Strange on YouTube, YouTube is going to suggest for you some suggestions over the next couple of days which are just flat out spoilers with a spoiler right there in the thumbnail (laughs) and I tell you what one of the biggest spoilers got spoiled for me a couple of days before and it ended up being very few surprises in it for me Benjamin oh that's a shame in terms of in terms of cameos and stuff do you think that took away from your enjoyment 
I don't think, Benjamin, that is where I was going with this. It did not take away from it in the slightest. Oh, well, that's good. Because I tell you what, I loved every second of this. This was... It's getting mixed reviews, funnily enough. It is. Some people hate this film, Michael. And the people who hate it, Ben, are the people who always hate comic book films, to be fair. Yeah. It's it's coming in from the Irish Independent, Benjamin. Oh, Donald Clark, you fucking prick. What an absolute... Fucking gobshite that guy is. He's such... Why does he still have a job, Michael? He has oh. no... Like, oh, uh, uh, you can no, tune into my... Uh, you can tune into my other podcast, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear me bash Irish crit- critics. It's called Clark, you clart. Uh, Clark and you can, cons- uh, you can find it wherever you listen to good podcasts. Benjamin, he gets more clicks by reviewing big films negatively. I think that is the only thing that possibly makes sense. Maybe. Because he's... Uh. He described this as an un- irredeemable mess of a thing. And I tell you what, it really isn't. It is excellent. This is, to, to me, Ben, this was one of my favourite Marvel films. It was, it's, first of all, first things first, it's a Sam Raimi film. Yeah, so you're going to get that. And it is very much a Sam Raimi film. And Sam Raimi film, Sam Raimi's directorial style, Ben, jumps through genres and tones not in the film but in a scene even yeah that's his vibe and that's his vibe that's what he's always doing you go back and you watch Spider-Man 2 and you watch that scene where where the the surgeons all get killed by Dr. Octopus's tentacles and you'll be going oh that's that's a horror why is there horror in this Spider-Man film where did that come from I tell you what Ben do you remember a few years ago when we saw Ragnarok and we were sitting beside each other in the cinema and I turned around to you and I said Benjamin I think this is a comedy. Yeah. And you said, it fucking might be, you know. And uh, it was a comedy, Ben. But then since that was a comedy, every Marvel film has been exactly that comedy. Yeah, no, that's the format. It's the winning format. It's, it's, it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. It refined the format. It took, like, if you look back to Guardians of the Galaxy War, Volume 1, that was a superhero film with comic aspects. Yes. But then Ragnarok was a comedy. And yes. I tell you what, Ben, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is as close to a superhero horror film as we are going to see. Really? This is horrific, Benjamin. Get now, out of town. It's mildly, it's borderline gory in places. Get out of town. It is very much a horror film. I did and not expect that. Neither did I, to be honest, despite knowing that going in. So... I'll give you the very basic plot summary, Ben, because you've already seen the trailers. Yes. But America Chavez, Ben. Yes. Played by Sochi Gomez. Nice. Is, she's able to jump around dimensions. Ah, yeah. Chanel Dimension Hopper. And she needs help to bloody get away from whatever demon or monstrosity is chasing her. So who better to ask than one Dr. Stephen Strange? Okay. And Dr. Stephen Strange is like, ah, oh, am I happy or not? Because I tell you what, I'm, I'm good at doing this magic shit, but I, I don't have a girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> that's, you know, so he's like, oh, what am I going to do with myself? Um, so she comes and she says, uh, will you help me stay away from this big monster that's trying to get me? And he says, I tell you what, I will try and help you stay away from this big monster that's trying to get you. And Benjamin, I'm going to avoid spoiling this, even though I think everyone knows it. But the big monster that's trying to get her is absolutely horrific and terrifying. Yes. And... um there are genuine moments of horror in this where characters die grisly, very unpleasant deaths, where there are jump scares, there are horror film chases. Bastards. There's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite good, Ben. Maybe I, tell I you can't what, go see this. I think, no, you should. It's a mild horror film. It's, it's a superhero horror film. So it's still a superhero film. It's, it's not a flat-out horror film. It, it's... If you think to the Guardians was basically Guardians of the Galaxy was Marvel's first comedy superhero film. Yeah. This is Marvel's first horror superhero film. Oh, well, that's good. Or Captain America the Winter Soldier was Marvel's first political thriller superhero film. Very good. This is it's different and I love that it's different. I love that it has a recognizable author behind it, Ben. Mm. That you can see Sam Raimi in this. You're watching it. If you're if you're familiar with the works of Sam Raimi, which I am, Ben, intimately. You are. I'm saying I fucked them, Ben. I fucked some of his films. I've walked in on you doing it to posters. It's really unnerving. Oh, very unpleasant. But um, 
you can see bits of Sam Raimi in this and go, oh, this is a bit of a Sam Raimi. Oh, look, it's, touch the Sammy boy. Little touch of Sam Raimi there. For example, Ben, there's a rooftop scene. And the rooftop scene looks straight out of Spider-Man 2. Yes. Um, and the rooftop is quite clearly a, a rooftop set. And comparing it to, say, the roof, rooftop scene from Captain America Civil War, not Captain America Civil War, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Do you remember the rooftop scene in Captain America the Winter Soldier? Where he holds a helicopter in between his big, strong arms? No, that's Civil War. Uh, oh, okay, never mind. The Winter Soldier is where he's on the roof with Sam Wilson. Oh, and he and catches Scarlet. the... Exactly, yeah. He catches yeah. Uh, Sitwell. Yeah. Um, and that's very much on a real roof in a real New York. Yes. But then the rooftop scene in this is a real Sam Raimi rooftop in gross Sam Raimi New York. Oh, it's the grim and gritty New York where like a, a Russian landlord comes out and he's like, what are you doing on my where roof? Where is my rent? <laughs> yeah, that New York where everything's made of sets. But I tell you what, Ben, it's great. It's a real roller coaster. If I had a couple of criticisms, it's that it's not as universe and world changing as we were possibly led to, that to believe it would be. I'm not shocked. <laughs> but, you know, that is not a bad thing. Um, I'll give you a mild spoiler, Ben. Go on. Because it, it is flat out in the trailer. But there, this is this is a bit of a spoiler. Um, and I, I can't give a bit of a criticism without de- delivering this spoiler. But the Illuminati that we see so so prominently in the trailer. Yeah. And I won't say who's on the team, but you can find out very easily on YouTube accidentally. But the Illuminati that we see, they are not a multiversal Illuminati. Oh, they're in one universe. They're the Illuminati of one specific universe, Ben. So this is the first step into the multiverse, I feel, rather than a full-on multiverse mad film. Yeah. They'd want to hurry up. Patrick Stewart's going to die. And <laughs> Who said Patrick Stewart was in it? I most certainly didn't. <laughs> it's like they, they want to hurry up. <laughs> yes, they bloody would. They're running out of time. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad, Michael, it was good. I've, I've heard nothing but good things from, from people that I trust and from you. Benjamin, um, I have ah, very good, a real jab at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, we'll see how it goes. Benjamin, I loved every second of it. I would w- gladly watch it again. In the in the era that we live in, where most of this film is already online and snippets on YouTube, yeah, I have resisted the urge to go and see it again straight away. Strong, but I would Ben, I would go and see it again straight away. I saw bloody um, I saw bloody Eternals twice, and that was boring as shit. <laughs> so I tell you what, though, yeah, it's on track Ben to be the biggest film of the year so far. Oh, is it gonna is it gonna pip old Spider Boy at the post? Spider Boy was last year, Ben. Spider Boy was last year. Near Spider Boy. Spider Boy has made two billion. I think Spider Boy is one of the biggest films of all time. Fucking hell, that's it's not going to come anywhere near Spider Boy, but it's well ahead of expectations even for itself. So, big success for Benedict Cumberbatch and Scarlet. What's what's Scarlet Witch's name? Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. And another notch in the belt for Benedict Wong, Ben, as the real star of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Benedict, I love Benedict Wong. Benedict Wong's great. He's the greatest living actor of our generation, I feel. He has a very nice... Um, oh, he's just he's a lovely guy to watch in interviews. He's uh, he's just very charming. Very effortlessly yeah. charming. He yeah, tells a great, great story. If you, Just to make, your, to make your Monday a little bit better, ladies and gentlemen, go home and look up uh, Benedict Wong's description of how he got the gig as Wong. Is it because um, his name is already Wong? It's a joy. He started a little campaign called Wong for Wong among, <laughs> but but it, he didn't start it. He didn't start it with his with like on social media. He started it with all the other actors in the film. Uh, oh, very like good. Chewittle and Benedict because he knows them all. They're all part of the British acting scene. They have been for decades. Yeah, yeah. So he was like sending texts around to all his pals, being like Wong for Wong, Wong for uh, Wong. Gas. Very good. Everyone's yeah. English in this. Everyone's English in this, Michael. The accent gives a sense of refinement, I think. Bloody, that's a bloody delight, Benjamin. Everyone is English. There's the two Benedicts. There's yes. Tweetalegia for... Is he English? Yep. There's um, some other people who I realise I can't say or else it'll be spoilers. But, you know, you've seen the trailers. You know who they are. There's a bunch of English people in there. <laughs> so many. Benjamin. Yeah. This leads us on to this week's topic. It does indeed. Go on then. Ah, oh, well, Michael, you came to me not not three weeks ago. Yes. And you said, yeah, come here to me. Isn't it yes, odd sometimes when we see a character with a, who has no 
attachment to Earth, but with very clear Earth accent. <laughs> mm. What are they trying to tell us? What are they trying to tell us? And Michael, we took a look at that together for this week's episode. So what we're going to be delving into here, Michael, is the penchant. Oh, very good. That writers of popular culture have for quick coding their characters, I guess. Yes. You know, basically using accent to build in things we can expect from the character or to give us a sense of their overall personality in shorthand. Exactly. Yeah. So what we might have there is one of the ones that off the top of my head, Michael, if you were going to have a chancer, let's say. Yes, go on. A lovable L rogue. Yeah, right. But he's into a bit of dodgy dealing. You might give them an L London Cockney accent. He'd have a Cockney accent, wouldn't he? It'd be Jason Statham. He'd have a Cockney accent. If you wanted to show refinement and dignity, mm. Michael, you wouldn't yes. use a Cockney London accent. You'd use a bloody aristocratic British accent. Well, I don't know. If you're using your aristocratic British accent, that doesn't... If it's written in America, that doesn't code as refined. That codes as villainous. That's fair. Actually, that's a that's a, a good point, Michael. It becomes villainous. If you wanted to say, I, I suppose, push refinement, you'd use the transatlantic accent, that weird, inert, kind of half-British, half-American accent that we hear sometimes. Hello, this is the 1940s calling, and we're here to tell you all about the war bonds. Yes. Um, it's You know, you get the different things. If you wanted to make someone look a buffoon or for comedy relief, well, you might make them Irish. Oh, hey. It that's happens all the time. Nice. Not very nice at all. I tell you what, Benjamin. Yeah. One of before you before you look at accents because one of the classic things is uh, I don't have an accent because people think that their accent is the standard accent. Yes. But in media, in entertainment, there pretty much is a standard accent. There is, and and that is the kind of what is called Ben the general American accent. Yeah. Generic. Used by. Generic is probably generic. a more negative way of saying it, but it's the generic kind of North Californian accent used by um, the vast majority of actors, Benjamin. Yes. And it is the accent of the reliable, trustworthy, good guy hero. Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris Evans. Generic and white man. Yeah. Um, what's his name, Ben? Uh, Give me some another more. Chris. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, no, he's, he's Australian. He's, he's not Australian. American. He's Australian. He's not American at all. But I tell you what, Ben, that accent, you have to... you It's the accent of Captain Kirk. It is. It's the accent of Lieutenant Uhura. It is. I don't know why I'm going into Star Trek so much here. It's all right. But it is the accent of your general good guy. Yeah. Your reliable, honest, hard-working good guy. You don't have to call him American, but the fact that he has that standard American accent, John Krasinski might have it, Ben. Oh, John Krasinski is that. He's the embodiment of Generican. <laughs> Generican. Very good. Is that a generic American? Yes. Very good, Benjamin. Have you invented that? I hope you have. I have. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> as good. As far as I know. So, that's what we're comparing everything against. We're comparing everything against the Generican accent. Yes. And boy, and oh boy. What, Boy, oh boy. One of my personal favourites, Ben, is Captain Jean-Luc Pickard. Yes, Jean-Luc, Jean-Lucky Pickard. <laughs> exactly, Benjamin. I tell you what, if his name was Jean-Luc Pickard and he was speaking like that, he wouldn't have been commanding no starships. If there's one man you want on your side in a fist fight, it's Jean-Good-Luck Pickard. <laughs> exactly, Benjamin. I tell wow. you what, he wouldn't have been having... So, this is a great example, because... When you were talking earlier about using an aristocratic British accent yes. to Im- imply um, imply seriousness or eloquence or, you know, gravitas. Yeah. I th- I don't think you actually meant uh, an aristocratic British accent. I think you meant a Shakespearean stage actor accent. Yeah, that's the one I meant. You meant, uh, you meant a Patrick Stewart. I meant a Patrick meant Stewart. A, a Sir Ian McKellen. Peace Stew. A Michael Gambon. Enel, yeah. Exactly. Any of Gams. Those- any of those gang, Ben. Yeah. Because that accent, to Americans, instantly reads as, oh, here's someone who's probably better than us at stuff. <laughs> here's a superior being. <laughs> and I tell you what, Jean-Luc Picard is one of the best examples of it because he's on a spaceship in the future, Ben. 
Yeah. Where, you know, let's assume in the future, because we're already heading that way, but accents in 500 years from now are probably not going to be as regional anymore. Hell no. People already are developing the internet accent, Ben, which we could be accused of having a little bit, even oh, though... Oh, absolutely. We're not presenting this like two Irish boys from Dublin. We could, <laughs> but I don't we think could we could if you wanted. Yeah, I think it'd limit listenership, or it might improve it. Which would you prefer, ladies and gentlemen? Get in touch with us. Yeah, would you like to hear this, or would you like to hear us doing fake Dublin accents? Ben, <laughs> but I tell you what, um, yeah. it doesn't make sense in the future that a French man... That five hundred years in the future, the French man on a starship full of Americans yeah. will, for some reason, speak with a a Shakespearean theatre actor accent. But holy God, does it work for saying, "Daddy is talking now." Yeah, everybody, listen to the gravitas. Make it so. Yeah, I tell you what, very good and a great example for what we're going for here, where it doesn't make sense for him to have that accent. Uh, not at by all. God, by God, does it tell us a lot about the character. One of the things I find interesting about, just purely focusing on that, Michael, it's funny how Americans will automatically associate that with gravitas, but if, to play it for an Irish person, you get a very different reaction if you had like a Shakespearean English actor. <laughs> you just That's be like, it, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there, if he was the captain of an Irish starship, they would have mutinied. They would have mutinied they would have been and be like, like, fuck you, you uppity prick. posh gobshite doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, but not for Americans. For Americans, is like, oh, listen to this, y'all. Oh, He's got daddy, to tell us say something else. <laughs> how to realign the vibranium crystals? <laughs> oh, the adamantium chlorides are gone, Captain. What are we gonna do? Steady you, yourself, ben, Jensen. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean, Ben. You're never gonna get this guy that you've invented. He's never gonna be a starship captain. <laughs> I would, might one day. We'll get him there. Absolutely. We'll love get to him see there. Captain Cletus. It, that's that's uh, no. It's Captain Gene Lucky Pickard. Gene Lucky Pickard. <laughs> that's that's who he is. So yeah, I mean, one of the things that we see all the time, Michael. Um, it's uh, one of the things that we see all the time. Yes. Is that yes? What is it? <laughs> What's one of the things that we see all the time? I'm fucking excited is, to hear. Is that Gene Lucky Pickard character? But yeah. not in any kind of role of responsibility. So the the American South, Michael, yes, has been co-opted into every rough and ready alien race from here to the next galaxy over. Well, there. The thing about the South, Ben, is I would say that there are kind of two. There are two major kind of sci-fi stereotypes caused by having a Southern American accent. And one is that kind of hick, not enough teeth, um, you know, Jean-Luc Pickard, Jean-Luc Pickard, what am I going to do? I've run out of dilithiums. But, <laughs> not the dilithiums. <laughs> oh, no, we haven't got enough dilithiums. But there's also the kind of posh southern accent, the refined southern accent, um, which it's usually with judges. We use and, it for racists and judges. Yeah, d- dirty old racists, basically. Yeah. But the female version of that is usually played as kind of sexy. Yeah, I mean, it gets a lot of range, Michael. It gets a lot you. of range. Go on, uh, where were you going anyway? You were going with your Gene, Lu- Gene Lucky Pickard. Gene Lucky Pickard. Uh, so the, the, the Gene Lucky Pickard accent is, I think, one of, the, one of the examples that always sticks out in my head, Michael, and I, I, there are so many more, but it's one that seems to be burned into my brain a little bit. It's Michael Rooker. I was going to say Michael Rooker, Ben. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah, Michael Rooker is used to embody that character at any chance he can get. Never has enough teeth. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just something that he does. But they expanded that, Michael, in Guardians of the Galaxy because the entire Reaver thief network is southern mm. in some form. Well, Ravagers, I think. Ravagers, but sorry. Reavers, I'm Reavers mixing Reavers from, up with uh, yeah, Firefly. Firefly. Um, Yes, and also Sean Gunn has that accent too. Yeah, as, uh, but I don't Craglin. think he actually does, does he? I don't think he does, no, but he plays it well as Craglin, the second in command. Yeah. But the thing about that accent in that is it's not the entire Ravager network. It's it's Yondo Odonta's crew. group of Ravagers. Yeah. Because there's another group led by Sylvester Stallone and they have Sylvester Stallone accents. Assumedly they're all from Philly. They're all from Philly and they're all going to go and get my mortal lithiums. I, we gotta, we gotta get more dilithiums. Go, 
It's not my best. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's not. It's not. It's not spot on. But yeah, the the old ravagers do all have that accent, Ben. Yeah, and I think we see that a lot. I I think it's interesting, you know, whenever we want to deal. One of the things that's used because we talked about Firefly there that that old southern accent that that rich southern accent is used all the time in uh, the towns of firefly because it's a western um let's call it the foghorn leghorn accent yeah let's call it the foghorn leghorn the kentucky fried accent exactly um <laughs> and the kentucky fried accent is used constantly uh, to signify first of all that something's not so good about this person with money mm. and yeah, second yeah. of all Probably racist. Probably an old world rich racist. <laughs> an old world rich racist. And it comes back to that thing, Michael, that you've said where it's been noted in Firefly that the Chinese took over <laughs> on Earth. And yet everybody still has their very clear and, d- d- you know, distinguished accent forms in yeah, space it- years after they've left Earth. Nobody goes back to Earth anymore. Doesn't make a lot of sense. They all grew up on spaceships. What's going mm. on? Um, there are some other examples that we see, Michael, not only from Generican, uh, but we see them a lot in the British Isles here. Um, and it, it Oh, pl- we're calling it the British Isles, are we? Uh, the British Isles here and Ireland. Um, oh, yeah, all right. The British Isles here to the, to the right of us. <laughs> You've saved yourself there. I've saved myself there. That would have gotten me in a lot of trouble. Um, you can cancel me if you want. I don't really mind. Uh, yeah, cancel Ben. Hashtag cancel Ben. But uh, we see that a lot, Michael, played with, especially when it comes to northern accents. Oh, go on. Um, so we still we still experience the the Cockney accents and stuff like that. We see that character appear sometimes in, in different shows. We have, in particular, bloody... Um, Oh, what's his name? Mark Shepard as Crowley. You know, he's always the wheeling, dealing kind of Del Boy demon character. Mm-hmm. And he uses that, you know, well, boys, let me show you what I'm going to do. And it's it's kind of that kind of thing. But over here, we see it a lot more with northern accents. And I think one of the, the best examples of that and something that isn't normally in our sphere, Michael, but Peaky Blinders. Go on. Peaky Blinders plays with our concepts of accents intensely. Um. And they use it to their advantage a lot of the time. The Peaky Blinders are underestimated constantly because they're just lads from the north. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're just lads from the north. But Thomas Shelby is one of the the quickest thinkers and, and sharpest tacks in the box, Michael. And he uses... He is that Killian Murphy? It's Killian Murphy, yeah. He's from Cork, though. Ben. He's from Cork, though. He does a very good Birmingham accent, I'm told. Uh, oh, go on. Does but, it cheese a potato bake? I don't know if that's a Birmingham accent. I don't know. All right. I'm not bank. going near it. But he talks like this. I'm Thomas Shelby, right. and he's got a real steady voice. Now, you listen here. I'm going to go in there, have a pint, come out, and kick your head in. And that's oh. what he does. That's his whole, you know, it's not necessarily him, but it's, it's the Peaky Blinders in general. And he plays on that because loads of characters underestimate him as a thick and northern and thing and he takes advantage of that but we also see characters like Alfie Solomon who's played by Tom Hardy and he has a real old kind of London accent which is very indistinguishable as well because um, he's a working class London man um, right. and we see these played against each other all the time and it's kind of a fascinating use of shorthand um, and it's also used to denote violence we often use northern accents to denote you know people capable of great violence I tell you what, Ben. Yeah, there've been a couple of um, really big examples of it in in other aspects of pop culture. For example, Benjamin, the the re the the new release of Doctor Doctor Who. Yeah, which had that man whose name I've forgotten, Christopher Eccleston. Every planet has yeah. a north. Every planet has a north, Ben. But yeah. that was that was a big change for Doctor Who because it was the first time he was a kind of grim and dour and he and wasn't serious. an effete British gentleman. Yeah, he wasn't from London and running around with a bit of celery and, yeah. a, and a colourful hat. Yeah. He was in a leather jacket and he was down the mines, down the potato mines. Yeah. And he was dead serious and, and spooky. But Ben, what really solidified that accent in world popular culture is Game of Thrones. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, there's a great example. Because Game of Thrones, Ben, is always going to be remembered as the North. The North. And that you could tell when someone is tough and honest and loyal and trustworthy because they're from the, the north. north. <laughs> and I tell you what, Ben, some people from the north are actually bricks 
and some of them are fine. But that's kind of the point of this, isn't it? That not everyone who speaks with an American Southern accent is a rich old racist lawyer. Some of them are pricks. Some of them are pricks. Some of them absolutely lovely. It's so hard to tell. And probably unfair for them that every time their accent appears on TV, it's a fucking rich old racist lawyer. A rich old racist lawyer. Benjamin, you brought up Firefly a while ago. Yeah. One of my favourite outliers in Firefly is our good mate, who we've already mentioned once before on this episode, uh, Chewetle Ejiofor. Yeah. Because so he, he only pops up in Serenity. In the movie. The movie. Yes. Uh, and he's but very, very British. He's very, very British. But once again, he's got that British accent that doesn't, I think, really exist in the real world. He's doing a Patrick Stewart accent. A very big old Patrick Stewart accent, in fact. He's doing a very big old Patrick Stewart accent, Ben. And he's doing he's doing it to, again. It instantly reads, especially to, especially when everyone else is kind of Southern American cowboys. Yes. That you've got this super competent, terrifying British man coming after them. And that's the scariest thing of all, Michael. For an American, that is the scariest thing you could ever possibly imagine, was a young Patrick Stewart with a sword coming after you. Terrifying. What are you going to do? He's, he's, he's a superior being to you. In every way. You're really going to struggle. And he was. He was superior to all those characters. No one could hold a candle to him. Benjamin. Yeah. Some characters are flat out just defined by their accent. Well, go on then. And then you just fill in the rest later. Two of the, the standouts, and again, we're kind of leaning towards the American South here. We're, we're doing American South and English North. Yeah, well, I mean, North um, and South, Michael. It's always the way, isn't it, Ben? Benjamin, two, two key X-Men characters are basically defined by their accents. And they fit together like a gloved hand, Ben. And that is Rogue and Gambit. Yeah. And they are their accent. That's it. They are their accent. Rogue is a sexy southern belle, Benjamin. And Rebel uh, Bow is a swamp-loving Cajun. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, two great examples. Maybe not, maybe not entirely relevant to the discussion we're having today because they don't have that accent irrespective of where they're from. No. That accent is because of where they're from. Yeah, I mean that's that that is yeah. So it's not used to code them in any way. It's an actual well, geographic thing. But it is. It is oh, used that's to code true. them. Like you you could be from Louisiana and not speak like Remy LeBeau. Yes. And you can be from Georgia and not speak like like Rogue. In fact, I'm I'd be willing to bet Ben that the vast majority of people from Georgia don't speak like Rogue. I I would because I would also put money on that. How would anyone get any work done, Ben? Everyone would be going around being too sexy all the time. Too much sex? <laughs> It'd be too, too sexy. Everyone would be getting the vapours, Ben. Oh, my goodness. It's come over me. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, they'd say. And they'd flap their hands. We can't <laughs> see that. Hand. Podcasts are not a visual medium, but Michael and I are flapping our hands daintily. We're flapping our hands furiously, Ben. I'm trying to flap it enough that the microphone picks it up, but I doubt it. Flapping our hands furiously I think mine's here. picking it up a little bit. <laughs> Good, excellent. All right, that's enough of that now. I tell you what, though, Ben, it's uh, the, that that kind of Southern Bell accent comes up all the time as well. Anytime you need a kind of a seductress from the working class areas, that's what you're going to get. A honeypot, exactly, Benjamin. Yeah. Who's your favourite? Uh, oh, accent wise, yes. Oh, you've you've stumped me there, Michael. But one of the ones that always sticks out to me. Um, and I guess we get to change it just a little bit here, Michael, is um, one of the things that always stuck out to me is Hagrid. Oh, go on. Um, from Harry Potter. I wouldn't call him a favourite, but it's one that's always stuck out. So Hagrid is kind of a hybrid of the north and west country of England. Like right. Cornwall meets Birmingham. Um, and it's always played for comedic effect because he's a big galumphing galumph. Ah, like someone from Cornwall or the north of England. Well, you see, that's the that's the thing. Occasionally, we affect these accents, and it's actually quite harmful to the representation of anyone from those places. Because, well, I'd say that of nearly everything we've brought up. Yeah, today, that's but. true. But it, it it's just playing on a harmful stereotype. Um, and poor El Hagrid is just like he's a big tick dolt. Like, <laughs> go on, he's loyal and fiercely protective and capable of great violence, and he's just a big tickle. <laughs> He's a big tickle. Ben, 
it makes absolutely no sense for Colin Meany to be from Dublin when he's in the 24th century. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it instantly, and this is this is an example, to be honest, where I think this happened organically rather than a casting decision, because Doctor, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Chief O'Brien. Chief O'Brien. Chief Doctor O'Brien. Miles O'Brien. Doctor Chief Miles O'Brien was far too small a character when he was cast in Star Trek: The Next Generation for them to be think think thinking. He was far too small a character for them to be thinking, Ben. To be thinking, we'll get a working, we'll get a working class dub in doing the transporters, and he'll give us a kind of working man's view on the on the Star Trek universe. Ah, yeah. There's no way they thought that when they cast him in Star Trek: The Next Generation. No, it wasn't the plan. But it definitely became the plan in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, well, it just—he was like this man's the perfect critique of the weird upper class system we've created for this spaceship exactly and he's a working class man and he's frustrated by all the goings on and he just wants to do a day's work and his best friend's a posh English man with a Shakespearean theatre voice it's a whole thing it's it's bloody brilliant Ben yeah it's very good ladies and gentlemen what are your favourite examples of accents being used to code characters? Um, what what weird attachments did you form to characters in your youth because of the accent they carried around with them? Um, uh, what are times where they got it completely wrong vis-a-vis Angel in Buffy? It was definitively oh, yeah, no not good. from Galway ever um, <laughs> and has never set foot on the island. But let us know, ladies and gentlemen, in a couple of different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanrabiog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means a tiny room in Irish. You can find us on the gram at your Luxury Listen Podcast. Always up to date with the latest in pop culture news and reviews. Fuck you. You can also find us occasionally (laughs) um, in other places. But the best place to get in touch with us, ladies and gentlemen, is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on there. Baby. Um, Yeah, and that's what you should be doing. Yeah, or else we'll bloody find you. Or or we'll else we'll send Frank Grillo to find you. And that's uh, <laughs> send Frank Grillo after you. He's very intense. And <laughs> He's sincere. very intense. He'll probably take us up on it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's it from us. Bye bye. We'll see you next week. See you next bloody week, y'all. <laughs>